suppressing pain or suppressing traumatic experiences is like a drug in itself. It can be very addictive. Uh, you experience something that has happened and immediately you want to, or the thought to just simply suppress it and just move on. And, and, and when suppression, suppression is happening, the opportunity to deal with it healthily, to confront individuals involved in whatever has happened that has caused you to want to suppress it sort of just goes out the window. You, you, you're like, I don't want to deal with that person anymore. I just want to move on. The sooner I can get back to normal, then I'm good. And, and we translate or we equate suppression as being that path to normalcy when in all actuality it is dysfunctional. And what I find is even through my own life experiences of suppressing uh, things and events and activities and, and, and trauma uh, uh, that I've experienced as well as hearing other people's story is that it, it is seemed to be, or it seems to be this coping mechanism. And people think that, oh, well, if I suppress this, then it'll be forgotten and I will be able to just get on with my life. And there are people who truly believe that suppressing, you know, an experience or an event that has happened to them makes everything fine. And just because they may not think about it on a day-to-day -day basis or they have to remember it as much anymore, like life is good and they have moved on, right? But in all actuality, when you suppress something, it's still there, right? It's, it's, it's sort of like uh, in, in some of the old school movies that um, I would see on television, uh, particularly when uh, a crime was being committed and, and someone was trying to hide a body and, and they would bury the body underneath concrete. And, and when you put that body underneath the concrete, well, it's it, the ability for it to 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 decompose and, to, and sort of just dissipate into the earth is is lost. And so that body can be under that concrete, <laughs> I mean, for a super long time. And, and, and you can actually go back and, and dig through that concrete and you can see those remains right now. You put a body in the ground. Well, it's a little different story. You know, it, it, there's decom, you know, the body begins to decompose and, and, and you know, if, the, if animal strays come along and grab the bones, ultimately, you know, you a body in the woods, that, that's, that's after a while, it's going to be a problem trying to find it. Similarly, when it comes to trauma, if you suppress it, it's like putting that trauma under concrete. It's there. You No one knows it's there. You can go in your in and out of your garage with a body up under your garage concrete, um, under the floor of your garage, under the cement. And guess what? It's still there, but you're still going in and out of your house. You're living your life. Everything is fine, feels fine. And life starts to feel like it's getting back to normal. And you think, ah, this sort of feels like things are now getting back to want, uh, where I want them to be. But what's interesting uh, about concrete is that concrete can crack. Okay. All right. And so this is sort of the, the thing about trauma is trauma has a way, uh, uh, and not just trauma, people hear that word trauma and, and it becomes their excuse 
to not address other things that they might not. They say, OK, well, well, not everything you go through is traumatic. I mean, I had a heartbreak or I lost my job or, you know, uh, I got in a fight or some serious conflict and it was it shook me, but it ain't traumatic. So it doesn't require the degree of of attention. So I'm good. OK, so we, we need that's it that we need to address that, too, because uh, it doesn't have to be the T word traumatic for it to still be affecting you for the rest of your life or could be affecting you uh, still to this day and can affect you for the rest of your your life. So I think that's important to sort of insert that in here that it, it, it doesn't got to be emotional trauma to still have a doozy on you. But the thing about emotional trauma, the thing about hurts, the things about uh, the, the thing about what you sort of suppress is that it has a way of seeping out. All right. It's sort of like, you know, toxins that is in the ground and it sort of begins to seep out. You know, you take you, you, you could just smell it and, and you go on. Have you ever gone in the house? You sort of smell something you're like, hmm, what, what, what's that smell? And it's like, oh, man, it's that old chicken and rice I got in the refrigerator. And I tell you, I thought I put a lid tight on the the uh, uh, on, on whatever container it was. Or, or I said, I'm going to tie it in a knot until I can get this thing out of here. But eventually that smell starts to seep out, especially, especially now, uh, since we talk, I'm, a, I'm you know, I've been a chef before and graduated from culinary school. So I like to. Sometimes I use food as an example. So let me kind of dig in on that example. I, I, I remember there was a time where I had uh, uh, some 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 this true story. Chicken and rice was in my refrigerator and, and it just it, it was I, it, you couldn't smell it right at first. Let me kind of just say that. But I remember when I, I, I sort of lift the lid on it to see if it was fresh. And I thought, oh, shoot, whoa, I heard it. I, I closed it real quick. And, and then I said, wow, what's that? Is it that strong? Right? Just a peek, just a quick look in the bowl, right? And I had to seal it back up again. But at that point, it seeped out, right? And, and so that's one reason why a lot of folks don't want to touch old stuff because they know once they pull the lid or open the door, and, and crack it just a little bit or, or lift the covers a little bit, it, it, it starts to, something comes out and they, they don't want to deal with it, right? And so if, if you don't deal with it, right? And so this is where I, I believe the, I, I, the term that I, 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 I believe is closely associated with this is, is microaggressions. Now, if, if you look at that term and its definition of, of what it means, I don't think it does justice to where I think I want to go with this particular topic. But essentially, you know, it's we sort of go through these spouts where we are releasing things that are inside of us. There are forms of aggression, and, and but it's not like we don't ever totally reach the point where we are like totally just having this huge release and we move on from it, we're just doing it as microaggressions, right? Ideally, you, it, it's possible. You can, I want to say that, but some people don't reach that point. And I, I, I see this 
this is an indicator in dating for me. Right. And and I, I and look, I, I talk about dating a lot because I feel like if we can deal with a lot of issues in, in that we experience in the dating stages, we can do a better job at picking the right person. And I think that's a game changer in itself. We don't talk about that much. Right. Let's get the right person. That's a different story. We'll come back. I'll come back. I'll come back to that. But you you what? What happens is in when, when I'm now what I've learned through all my junk that I've had to wade through and, 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 and I've learned in life is if you just watch, it's not that you're watching to disqualify someone or you're watching to judge, but it's important to see how their trauma or what their past experiences look like when it comes to the surface. And, and so, you know, you may have somebody who, who may who may text you in a fit or in anger and then be fine the next minute. And, and, or somebody who may pick up the phone and y'all having issues or they may make you feel bullied really quickly. And, and that aggression is gone. And it just feels like little bitty miniature uh, spikes of aggression that quickly dissipate. And it's like, okay, well, because they are micro and they sort of, you know, that they, they're not like these big blowups and that will sort of tell you, Whoa, now, all right, this, this, this dude, or this, you know, she, she, whoever you, you, you may be in a relationship with or thinking about dating or going into a longer relationship with, if they're not, you know, throwing bricks through the window and, you know, stabbing knives, you know, putting holes in your car tire, that sort of, it, or, or breaking your furniture. Like some people look at that as being an indicator that, oh man, this person out, they mind. That's a no, that's a deal breaker. That's a red flag. And some people push past that and they, some people thrive in toxic relationships. I used to years ago, shoot, I just thought that was normal. It's what I deserved. And I felt like if a woman was physically abusive to me, that left, that elevated her her standing in the relationship and made her feel better about herself. And thus she would see me as somewhat more in approved light. Like she would think better of me because I gave, I was her outlet. Right. I used to think like that a long time ago. So I'm the, I got stories. Right. But some people just push through that dysfunction. Somebody come along and, and burn up their car and be like, I'm mad at you because you was looking at a girl at the restaurant or you was looking at another guy or whatever the case may be. And it's like, OK, they make up tomorrow. Right. So with that that some people push through that. But what I want to talk about is that, you know, you 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 can't all microaggressions can be so small Micro, you now let's just set the, the word microaggressions aside for just a moment and just say that people can allow, you know, trauma to seep out of them or anger or past hurts to sort of seep out of them in miniature ways that you just don't see as a threat or a red flag. It's like, oh, that ain't that ain't too bad. It's not an issue because it's sort of it's it's disguised, right? And so it's it's like going underwater and 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 you need a quick breath of air just give me just a quick <gasps> that's all i need and then you can go back underwater right and so that quick breath inhale exhale right that underwater is is you looking at that like oh that wasn't a lot of air they breathe that's fine we can there that's cool you know I, we i can deal with that you know, you just need to release just quick. Let, let, let it get that, you know, 
breathe really quickly and then go back underwater. Some people are super, super, super thirsty. And it's like, just give me a quick sip of water. I don't need to drink the gallon. So miniature ways of releasing or receiving pleasure. And, and if you're not really in tune to that, you're going to miss it. And you're going, and so when that, you get with that person, see, people think that suppressed trauma will never come out and it will, it does just because, you know, a person has learned to live with it doesn't mean it might not come out in 2022 or 2025 or 2030. But at some point, if, 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 if those miniature explosions don't kill you and destroy your relationship, eventually something's going to break. And so when in the dating process, it's important. And even in friendships and relationships, right? I will hear people say, well, my friend every now and then will call me and tell me that, that they upset that I hadn't spent any time with them. And then it sort of goes away and everything is fine. And it's like, but what's the point of saying it? So the, the, the friend who's saying that has some issues of control, of abandonment, whatever that may be. And so over the term of your relationship, eventually, if you're in that situation, you're going to feel so drained after a period of time of trying to pacify, appease and satisfy them to make them not feel like they're losing you. And you'll never really truly be able to live your normal life without the hook of somebody in you. And so now that relationship is going to leave you in a very detrimented place. And to the point where eventually the person who's pulling from you, go back to the episode, uh, a teaching of energy coins to really get what I'm about to say now. But the person who's pulling from you, when they feel they have pulled all of your energy coins, they're going to move on from you and leech on to somebody else because their way of releasing is in their control and those miniature explosions. Okay. So that's how that it's a it's it's this deep web of of deceit, disguise, of convincing ourselves that we can be fine. Cause we we some people think, well, it's that I was raped 25 years ago. Someone someone can think. I was sexually abused six months ago. I'm good now. My mom and daddy experienced a divorce. I'm good now. I ain't, I never dealt with it, but it's just enough time that's passed. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm cool. You know, I lived with an alcoholic for seven and a half years and it drove me crazy, but I'm good now because I got a good job and a good car and a family. So we assume that our barometer of healing measure is, is based on what we've accumulated in our life in the present. I got a new TV. I got my own place. I got this. I got family. I, I got my friends. So we're healed, right? And all the while, got toxins seeping out of them, destroying their relationships got toxins seeping out of them, those miniature explosions. And so when we date people or form relationships with people, the red flag, we need to be, we need to have more strategic red flags. People look at red flags and be like, say, what's a red flag? I, I ask people this. I say, well, what's your red flags? And they say, cheating. Okay. 
all right, then you we not we not finna do this because if that's your red flag, then you on a whole. I'm 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 in a different level. Cause cheating, if if you are in your forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and you still worried about somebody cheating, that's your issue. I can't. We we need to explore why are you still attracting those type of people. We got to work on boundaries. But and I respect that. We we all want loyalty, but that shouldn't be a red flag. That should just be. A basic standard in a relationship that you just, it's like me buying a big screen TV, right? The TV turns on when I push the power button. That's not an expectation. That's not something I desire from my television. It's just is. And I think we got to get to a point where we sort of shuffle those red flags into different categories and different significance or importance rather than okay cheating like let's let's be a little bit let's go deeper here than just waiting till you walk in the room and see your 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 woman or your man you know in the bed with somebody let's talk about okay well a red flag could be a miniature explosion or miniature explosions which you can see those if you pay attention before they go out and have sex with somebody else and you waste your time another 20 years in a relationship that don't go nowhere. And then you've spent so much time in that relationship and you realize, man, I got all this time invested in this relationship. Now it's becoming too difficult for me to leave, too inconvenient for me to leave. So I might as well stay and I'll just pretend I'll suppress the fact that my man or my woman is leaving on this day of the week. And I know that they truly going over somebody else's house doing it and they coming back to me. And so what I'll do is just build coping mechanisms all around me in my life to make it feel like it doesn't hurt. And eventually I'll become numb to that. And, and I'll still have a warm body in my bed and I'll look like I'm okay in front of my church friends, in front of my friends in, in, in school or whatever it is you got going on in life. And so that's the exchange you make, the currency, the transfer, the transaction. In exchange for having a warm body in your bed, you're willing to suppress the truth. So rather than get to that point, let's just be real and identify some of these micro explosions that we see so that we can look at the, the trail of breadcrumbs because microaggressions are like breadcrumbs. They, 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 they are a trail that lead to something. And if you can get to that root, to the something, get a shovel, dig through the concrete, because some men and women are like concrete. They got walls around their heart. And, and so when it, when it says, to, when, when you hear the term to, to I, th I believe that's in the Bible, right? The book called the Bible, but other religious documents and texts also talk about the, 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 the need to preserve your personal humanity, the need to guard your heart. And so when, when you choose to guard your heart, it doesn't mean you build a fortress around it to where it's impenetrable. No, that's not what it's meaning. It's meaning you guard your heart, but it, you're still, you, you, can, you can allow people to access you, but just be mindful of who you're allowing to access you. And so there are some people who have concrete around their hearts 
rather than roses around their heart, right? So if 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 they got concrete around their heart, then then that me that's an issue because you 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 got you now you got to really pay attention because when you dig through the concrete, that's when you find the body. And when you find the body, you can see, well, why is this person true self, their soul, their deepest, most intimate part of themselves decomposing or rottening beneath or behind the wall? Right. And you won't get that deep. If you just worried about him or her cheating, because that's you worried about something, them doing something that's already after the fact. Because you first got to visualize and emotionally cheat first. First, you got to be a, your partner's got to be wondering about it. You, you unfaithfulness and disloyalty, right, takes place before you touch another human being. Disloyalty and unfaithfulness can take when you're in the bathroom looking at pornography and your partner is sleeping in the bed. So I, I'm just saying it's deeper than that. We got to go much deeper than, 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 than what we feel like, oh, well, if she ain't throwing rocks through my window, she good. Well, just because she ain't throwing a brick through your window don't mean that she can't still crush your heart. Right? So when we start to see how people deal with trauma and past hurts, and, and how do you do that? You pay attention. You pay attention. You just watch. Again, like I said, you're not watching to disqualify, but you're certainly just aware. We're not fools here. We're not going to play that game. We are now, some people, I was just telling someone the other day, I said, man, we are in our 40s now. We can't continue to be doing the same old thing when it comes to relationships that we was doing. We were doing in our 20s and, and, and 30s and, and people just coming and going and you've gone through another breakup and you done gave four or five years to this relationship and it don't work. And now you on to the next person. It's like, well, hold on just a second. And so I, I, I realized now that I'm empowered when I'm meeting someone or I'm connecting with someone and, and I see things and we sort of can talk about these things and, and, and we can both agree that, huh, maybe we don't align as we thought we or, or, or whatever we felt in the beginning. Right. But these are some things that we probably need to explore a little more if we're going to have a chance to even think about being successful, because if we ignore these things, guess what? You're going to get together and you're going to feel that your family going to know my family and my family going to know your family. Everybody going to think, OK, now they get. And then eventually, even if you are not legally married, your breakup is going to feel like a divorce. OK, the only difference is you don't have the stress of the paperwork. And that's a whole nother issue, which I will talk about, which I've been through that. Sometimes it's just better to take a thousand dollars and pay a lawyer to do it for you. That's all I'm gonna say on that one because I've been down that road and it is difficult. It is difficult. It is difficult to go through that. I'm telling you, and I thought to myself, and some folks, you, there are a lot of folks, and I've been through this too. You have been in a relationship for so long or a marriage for so long, and it's like, well, shoot, it ain't gonna be nothing. I can easily walk away and just get a divorce. And then somewhere in that divorce process, something just come up, and it's like, God, Lee, I wish I just wanted to be done with this. 
and it can be frustrating. So to go through all of that, let's just kind of get it right right now. Let's let's just have we sex and and and, and jumping in the bed and getting booed up and and all that old stuff is it, something deeper than that. That you, you you start to look at it differently and say, you know what, I want I'm empowered to make a better decision about the person that I'm gonna be in the same bed with. That's to me, that's exciting. I, a lot of folks, I'm excited about being single. At least right now, as of right now, in the year 2022, I'm excited because I know that I today is the day that I still have control of my decision to be able to choose the person who's going to complete me or who's going to wreck me. So I'm excited. And I, I, I'm going to use some slang. I ain't jealous about nobody relationship. I don't care how good he look. I don't care how good she look. I don't care what she buying you. I don't care what he doing for you. What I do care about is that I'm good. I'm all right. And I'm not worried about what nobody else doing. And if somebody else is truly happy, that's good for them. But I know that in this world today, there are a lot of folks who are in relationships where they are experiencing miniature explosions all the time. I call them in the book that I wrote that I'm, I'm actually going to I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this book available to the to the listeners of these messages is I talk about silent ghosts. Right. Uh, instead of kickboxing, you know, men and women in relationships feel like they, they they ghost boxing. You can't see the issue in your bed. You can't see the issue in your house. But you, 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 you just feel like, what is this? I feel like I'm fighting against. Why does it feel like just every now, just periodically, we just uh, we hate each other almost. I don't get that because there's ghosts that have been buried and suppressed deep down beneath the concrete. And, and until you get that shovel, it's going to be a difficult road. And so my desire is that this message would encourage you to not just think deeper about what your red flags are in relationship. Like think beyond just, oh, my red flag is he can't hit me. He can't do this. And she can't do this. Think so. Let's go deeper. And also that, that, that if you have trauma, just because you feel detached from it doesn't mean that you're not seeping from it. It's not seeping out of you. And so you got to be able to objectively, realistically look at your life and tell and be honest. And again, this goes back to the person in the mirror. You're butt naked. You just jumped out the shower and you're looking at yourself. You're the only person who can be honest about how beautiful or what is ugly on the inside of you. And so you've got to be able to look at what you've been through in the past, even though you feel you've moved on from it. But something in your everyday behavior or experiences or something that's happening in your relationships. Maybe it's your job. You've got these behaviors or these blockages that keep re reoccurring is probably associated to something you don't put in the concrete. And so now you have to sort of dig and get that shovel and sort of dig it 
back up. It's sort of like visiting this, revisiting the scene of the crime. And I've heard people say this. They say, well, you should, you should, once you move away from the scene of the crime, when it comes to trauma, just move on from it and ignore it. I disagree with that. I think if, and I don't necessarily call that closure, right? Some people do, but I don't call it closure because you don't always get closure from people. You people are like, I got to ask my daddy this. I need to talk to him. Or I got to talk to my ex because she did this and I just need to get closure. You don't always, you're not always able to reach the people that closure can come through. And so if you don't are, or, or are not able to reach them, how are you going to get closure? Same way we're going back to the scene of the crime. It's possible to go back to the point of trauma. And I talk about this in, in my book about dreams, how you can use dreams to travel back to that time. Now, that's a whole different conversation. But I'm just saying that if you you, you can go back and, and, and pull, get that bowl or that Tupperware out of the refrigerator and lift the lid. And yes, it will stink. But. Once you know what's inside, you can deal with it and you can throw it out in the trash. You can do whatever you can move on and you can truly know that you have moved on and you can truly you can put the yellow tape up. You, you can you can position people around the crime scene. You can say now that period of my life is truly gone. There's not now I, I, you didn't just move on from it, but you have healed from it. And that is what I hope that you would gain out of this message today.